0: Three men died and appeared before St. Peter at the pearly gates. And Peter told them, now before I can let you into heaven, you need to answer one question correctly. What is the significance of Easter Sunday? And the first man jumped up and down excitedly. I know, I know. Easter Sunday is usually right around the final round of the Masters Tournament, the premier golf tournament in the world. Peter shook his head, well, that may be true, but that was not the answer that I was looking for. Second man thought for a moment and then commented, everyone knows that Easter Sunday's the one day a year that you go to church in your new fancy clothes. Then later that day after dinner with your family, you hunt for eggs and candy that the Easter bunny hides. Peter hung his head. No, that's not the answer I was looking for either. Turning to the third man, Peter asked skeptically, do you know the significance of Easter Sunday? The man replied, well, after Jesus died on the cross, he was buried in a tomb. St. Peter's eyes lit up. Oh, finally, somebody that knows the answer. The third man continued. Then on the third day, the stone was rolled away and Jesus stepped out of the tomb. Yes, yes, Peter urged. Go on. So the man finished. And if Jesus sees his shadow, we know we're going to have six more weeks of winter. (laughs) (laughs) That's bad, I know. (laughs) Well, what is the significance of Easter Sunday? That's the question before us this morning. We may laugh at the answers these three men gave, but all joking aside, the way we answer this question is critical. How we respond to this question has eternal consequences. Certainly, there's no biblical truth that is more fundamental or foundational than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So follow along in your Bible as I read from 1 Corinthians 15. Actually, go back one, Sharon. 1 Corinthians 15, pick it up with verse 1, would you follow along in your Bible? Now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, He appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born." Down to verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead, but He did not raise Him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. I like the way the Living Bible paraphrases verses 3 and 4. In fact, let's read these out loud together. Would you read them with me? I passed on to you what was most important, that Christ died for our sins just as the Scriptures said He would, and that He was buried, and that three days afterwards He arose from the grave just as the prophets foretold. You see, the good news that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again is what is most important. The significance of Easter Sunday and the the event that we celebrate today simply cannot be overstated. Risen. What is the significance of Easter Sunday? As we consider Jesus' resurrection, let's just keep this morning's lesson pretty simple and straightforward. First, let's consider the reasons for the resurrection, and second, let's consider the responses to the resurrection. Let's begin with the reasons for the resurrection. Why did Jesus rise from the dead on that first Easter Sunday? I mean, what's the purpose behind the resurrection? What difference does it make, really? Anyway, well to put it bluntly, the resurrection makes all the difference in the world. Let me just highlight three vitally important reasons why Jesus had he had to rise from the dead. Number one, it authenticates who Jesus is. It authenticates who Jesus is. Romans 1 verse 4 tells us, He was shown with great power to be the Son of God by being raised from the dead. Acts 1 and verse 3 says that the many post-resurrection appearances by Jesus were the convincing proofs that the disciples needed to firmly establish their faith in Him. The resurrection is the clinching argument that Jesus is who He said He was. You see, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then at best, He was a delusional lunatic, and at, at worst, He was a deceitful liar. However, if Jesus did rise from the dead, He was and is who He claimed to be, the Christ, the Son of the living God, the forgiver of our sins, and the leader of our lives. Several times during His ministry, those who doubted Jesus and or opposed Him asked for a sign... They, they wanted Jesus to prove his credentials by performing some miracle. And time and again, Jesus would reply as he did in Matthew 12, 39 and 40, evil and sinful are the ones who want to see a miracle for a sign, but no sign will be given to them except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jonah was in the stomach of the big fish for three days, in the same way the Son of Man will be in the grave for three days. Simply put... Jesus' bodily resurrection is the sign, the miracle that is needed to establish His credentials as the Son of God. So the first reason for the resurrection is that it authenticates who Jesus is. The second reason is it validates what Jesus taught. It validates what Jesus taught. Look again at those verses in 1 Corinthians 15, this time from William Barclay's translation. The substance of the Christian message is that Christ has been raised from the dead. But if Christ has not been raised, both the Christian message we preach to and your faith are emptied of all meaning. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is all a delusion. You are still at the mercy of your sins. But in point of fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The point is that if Christ has not been raised from the dead, everything he said and did lacks any and all credibility. The Bible is nothing but a book of fables and myths, and our Christian faith is pointless because we are still condemned without hope because of our sins. But in point of fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. I love the way that Barclay puts that. And because of his resurrection we can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that what Jesus taught is truth. That the Bible is the infallible and errant word of God and that our Christian faith is 100% valid. So the second reason for the resurrection is that it validates what Jesus taught. Thirdly, it substantiates Why Jesus came. It substantiates why Jesus came. When we look at the empty tomb, when we see the risen Lord, we understand God's plan and purpose for our life. So, why did Jesus come? I can think of at least three reasons. First of all, so that our past sins can be forgiven. Jesus came so that our past sins can be forgiven. Paul wrote in Romans 4, verse 25, God gave Jesus to die for our sins and raised Him to life so that we would be made acceptable to God. He put it this way, Romans 10 and verse 9. Let's read this verse out loud together. If you openly admit by your own mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and if you believe in your own heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Hmm. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again so that our past sins can be forgiven. Secondly, the reason Jesus came was so that our present life can be enjoyed. So that our present life can be enjoyed. Jesus himself told us in John 10 and verse 10, I came to give life, life in all its fullness. And for so many people, life is endured rather than enjoyed. There's no purpose, no real meaning. Nothing ever seems to completely satisfy. But Jesus came to change all of that. Because of His resurrection, we find fulfillment. We find the power to rise above our circumstances and we can live victoriously and triumphantly. Ephesians 1, verses 19 and 20 says it so well, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great His power is to help those who believe Him. It is that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. That's our power today. And so Jesus died, was buried, and rose again so that our present life can be enjoyed. And thirdly, so that our future hope can be secured. So that our future hope can be secured. Let's read Jesus' own words out loud together. John 11 and verse 25. Read it with me. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will live even though they die. Because Jesus lives, we will live also. That's why Peter could write in 1 Peter 1 and verse 3. Now we live in the hope of eternal life because Christ rose from the dead. So Jesus was died, he was buried, he rose again, so that our future hope can be secured. So the third reason for the resurrection is that it substantiates why Jesus came. So that our past sins can be forgiven, so that our present life can be enjoyed, and so that our future hope can be secured. Why did Jesus rise from the dead on that first Easter Sunday? What was the real purpose behind the resurrection? I mean, what difference does it make anyway? Well, we've seen there's at least three reasons why he had to. I mean, he had to rise again. It authenticates who Jesus is, it validates what Jesus taught, and it substantiates why Jesus came. Which leads us to our second main point today, and that's the responses to the resurrection. So how do people generally respond to the good news that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. What are the basic reactions that we as humankind have to the resurrection? Well, look at Acts 17. When the people heard about Jesus being raised from the dead, some of them laughed. But others said, we will hear more about this from you later. But some of the people laughed. Believe now, in those verses, the audience 's reaction to paul 's preaching about the resurrection, we can see three basic ways that people respond to the fact of the resurrection that Jesus rose again. number one, some reject it without investigation some reject it without investigation acts seventeen thirty two says some of them laughed, and some people still respond to the resurrection that way today the very idea that jesus died was buried and then came to life again seems so far-fetched that people laugh it off they quickly reject the resurrection lock stock and barrel without even giving it a second thought without investigating the facts now if that's been your response to the resurrection i have a challenge for you please please Carefully research the evidence for yourself. This is much too serious of a matter to ignore or to rush to any hasty conclusion. I mean, have you really taken the time and the effort to examine the facts for yourself? Would you be willing to dig into the biblical and historical evidence? If so, I have an offer that you simply cannot resist. If you will write on your little flap on your bulletin, that little communication card, if you will write the words, show me the facts, show me the facts, if you're brave enough to write that on that little card, I am going to purchase for you a copy of Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Easter, and I will give it to you for free. Now, how can you beat a deal like that? <laughs> but you've got to write on your little communication card, show me the facts. And if you do that, I will in the next week or so get you a copy of that book. Now, of course, you've got to leave me your address and stuff like that so I can get this book to you, okay? But I'm serious. I want you to have this book because I want you to investigate the facts so that you know in your own knower and in your own heart that Jesus did rise from the grave. So do that. Show me the facts. So the first response to the resurrection is that some reject it without investigation. Number two, some ignore it with procrastination. Some ignore it with procrastination. Acts 17 continues, others said, we will hear more about this from you later. That pretty well sums up the reaction, in fact, of most people to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Not now, later. Not today, maybe tomorrow. When I think about that procrastinating response, I can't help but think of the fable that I heard many, many years ago It's the story of Satan and his three emissaries. Satan was trying to figure out, we've got to change our strategy, he told his three emissaries. We're losing ground. People are becoming Christians. They're becoming believers. The evidence is just too great. What can we do? The first emissary spoke up and said, well, let's tell them that God is dead. That if there ever was a God, He's dead and He's buried and He's gone. He no longer exists. And Satan shook his head and said, no, we tried that one. And it doesn't work. There's just too much evidence to the contrary. The second emissary spoke up. Well, let's just tell him that Jesus was the Son of God, but He's just really only a man. He's just like any other moral teacher that ever walked this earth. He's just like Muhammad and and Confucius and all the list of names. He's just a prophetic teacher, a moral teacher, a good man, but that's all that He is. And Satan again shook his head and said, No, we tried that too. This was anything but that. That's not one of the options. And anybody who uses their head and their heart knows that. And that strategy just doesn't work. There was a silence for a while. And finally, the third emissary spoke up and said, I know what we should do. I think we should tell them that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We, We should tell them that He died and that He was buried and that He rose again on the third day came back to life proving that He is the Son of God, that He is the Savior and the the Lord of all of the world. And we need to tell them that they need to repent of their sins and they need to receive Jesus Christ as the Savior and the Lord of their life tomorrow. And Satan jumped to his feet and said, that's it! that's the strategy we're going to use. We're going to tell them the truth, but we're going to tell them they don't have to make a decision about that today. they got a lot of time. Let's just do it tomorrow. Not now. Later. Now, I know that's just a fable and a myth, but somehow I think that's exactly the strategy Satan's using. And he's being very successful with it in our world today. Edgar Guest once penned these words about tomorrow. He was going to be all that a mortal should be, tomorrow. No one would be kinder or braver than he, tomorrow. Each morning he stacked up the letters he'd write, tomorrow. The greatest of workers this man would have been, tomorrow. The world would have known him had he ever seen, tomorrow. But the fact is he died and he faded from view and all that was left when his living was through was a mountain of things he intended to do, tomorrow. So, if that's typically been your response to the resurrection, I have a warning for you. Please read James 4 and verse 4 out loud with me. Would you read this with me? What do you know about tomorrow? How can you be so sure about your life? It is nothing more than a mist that appears for a little while before it disappears. Kind of like the morning fog. Psst, it's gone. You see, saying not now, later, not today, tomorrow is a huge, huge mistake. The only thing certain about tomorrow is that it is uncertain. It is presumptuous to procrastinate until tomorrow, for tomorrow may never, ever come. As it says in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2, listen, this is the hour to receive God's grace. Today is the day to be saved. So the second response to the resurrection is that some ignore it with procrastination. Number three, some believe it without reservation. Some believe it without reservation. Acts 17.34 says, some of the people believed. And that's really the only correct response. This is how I pray that each and every person here today would react to the good news of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. To believe it without reservation, to embrace it wholeheartedly by faith, to experience the life-changing power that Jesus lives. Nothing in life is more important than personally and individually knowing the risen forgiver and leader, Jesus Christ. As Paul put it in Philippians 3, verses 9 and 10, all I want is the relationship with God which only God Himself can give me, all founded on faith in Christ. My one aim is to know Christ and to experience the power of His resurrection. Amen. So the third response to the resurrection is that some believe it without reservation. So how do people usually respond to the good news that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. What are some of the basic reactions that people have to the resurrection? They were the same in the Bible as they are today. Basically three responses. Some reject it without investigation. Some ignore it with procrastination. Some believe it without... Reservation. You can count me in on that third group. <laughs> I hope I can count you in on it as well. Risen. What is the significance of Easter Sunday this morning? We've kept it pretty simple and straightforward as we've looked at the reasons and the responses to the resurrection. Watch this. Easter's a great day. Filled with bunnies and family and church and food. Every year I really do look forward to Easter if I'm being honest. If I'm being honest, there's something I just can't seem to wrap my brain around. It's the whole rising from the dead thing. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just asking if we can really know for certain. Maybe the disciples went to the wrong tomb. Or maybe his body was stolen. Or maybe he just fainted on the cross. I'm just trying to figure it all out. Because if he really did rise from the dead, then I got to do something. I got to do something. Then I got to do something with that. I like this series of video clips this morning because they leave it kind of open-ended. And I think they're real. I think these are the questions people are asking today. I mean, really. And, and so I just left, wanted to leave those open-ended. But this last one I say for last because what they said at the end is absolutely the truth. If Jesus did rise from the grave, i got to do something with that. This story we're talking about of Jesus' resurrection, this event that happened in Jesus' life is an event that you can't just shrug your shoulders at. <laughs> you, 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 can't, you can't not answer <laughs> to this question, what is the significance of Easter Sunday? You have to respond. The very nature of this event in and of itself requires a response from you. I've got to do something with this. And I would pray today that if you've not taken care of business in response to this good news of Jesus and His death and His burial and His resurrection for you, that today would be the day that you would bow your knee to Jesus Christ because He and He alone is your only hope for salvation. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for reminding us today of what is most important, that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, but most importantly, that he rose again. And we celebrate that together today. As we gather here to worship you, we celebrate the victory that Jesus had over the grave, over sin, over Satan, over hell itself. But that celebration is incomplete, O Lord, if we don't embrace that personally. Help us each one to realize today I got to do something, I have to do something. In response to this great news, Jesus is alive. And that changes everything. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.